Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. On an unremarkable suburban street, we find Eli Timoner, founder of Air Florida, the fastest growing airline in the 1970s, in his final days, and discover an extraordinary life, one filled with wild achievements, tragic loss, and above all, enduring love for, from an incredibly close-knit family. Last Flight Home shares an unforgettable and stunning verite account of family courageously facing life and death. We're joined today by the director of Last Flight Home, one of our favorite directors, one of our favorite guests, Andy Timoner. Andy, welcome back to Film School Radio. Thank you, Mike. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much. I mean, I generally I would say what inspired the film, but we know what why we're here. But at what point during this, the last part of your your father's life, did you decide you wanted to film it? Did what what was the sort of what happened? I mean, I panicked. He he went into the hospital at the end of January 2021, and I just panicked at the concept. Of course, he was 92. He turned 92 in December, and he had been struggling um, with COPD and breathing issues related to that. So that's what brought him to the hospital to clear those up. But in the process, he uh, was in bed for five days, and it became clear he wasn't going to walk again. And um, and that they were going to send him to a facility. And in that time, he made a decision that he wanted to die. And he was the most tenacious person any of us ever knew. So it was very surprising to us and and shocking and terrifying to lose him. So that that was the inspiration for pulling cameras out because I um, and I was worried about it. I started recording the phone calls from the hospital and then when we found that there was the end of life option act in California, thank God, and that we could fulfill his wishes and bring him home to do that. And that there was going to be this 15 day waiting period. I wanted to film him to not forget his personality and his voice and just really to bottle him up. If you will, there was no intention of making a documentary. I had written a script about him and his airline and all of that, but Throughout my career, people have said, oh, what's the ultimate story you want to tell? Or like, do you have a dream project? And it was always, I want to tell the story of my father. But it was never a doc because I didn't have any archival footage. I had like every bit of archival footage that is in the documentary is all that I have. So that I couldn't I couldn't possibly sustain a feature doc. Um, and I was so, even one of the reasons I set up cameras besides bottling them up was to read him the script and go over it with him. Of course, none of that's in the documentary, but we did that every day. I thought it would be a wonderful way to kind of go back through his life. But uh, to answer the second part, which is when did I decide to make a film? It was really after making a memorial video, like three weeks after he died, we had a memorial on Zoom. And Rachel, my sister, who's a rabbi, was charged with planning the memorial. And she asked me if I would make a short video since I had been filming everything. And that was when I was struck with the power of the footage. And the incredible experience it was personally to grieve by editing the footage. Um, it was just, it, it, my father was literally alive in the Abbot and it was just like, wow, I got to be with him again. It was amazing. You know, it was just like, I was laughing. I was crying. I was in a way because I was so immersed in caring for him. And that was my primary concern. Like cameras were not, cameras were secondary. 
definitely um, to everything that was happening there uh, with him and to the mission of just trying to get him to understand how valuable he had been, how important and how he had just provided everything for us because he did feel like a failure. So there was a lot that I was trying to accomplish in those final weeks of his life, um, not making a film. So when I actually went through the footage for the memorial video, I, I couldn't stop editing. I just couldn't stop editing. I couldn't stop spending time with him. I was seeing things and conversations that I had somehow missed, or I was so busy trying to talk to a, you know, a nurse or something. So I just didn't hear it, whatever it was, it was the place I wanted to be. You know, I wanted to be with him when he was alive every second. And then I just wanted to be editing. And I, it, the, the film literally flew out of me after that. I mean, the memorial video was supposed to be five minutes and it was a 32 minute video. <laughs> My sister was like, now what am I going to do? Like I, I had a, I had a whole thing planned. Like now you have a 32 minute film. So, but then we saw the reaction people had to the film at the Zoom reception and how much it helped people. Like it seemed to really help people to understand their own relationship to death, to start exploring those questions, to even look at their lives. It was just really a deep experience that people seem to have with the memorial video. And so I thought, wow, there's there's really something here that is important for people that they're not getting anywhere else. So then I I just let myself keep going. And then there was a film like a couple months later. I mean, it literally flew out of me and through me. Uh, I think it's my 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 father's final gift to yeah. us in a way. Having gone through a similar experience with my mom watching her pass, um, one of the things that I was struck by in as she was in as her uh, final days were upon us, a lot of people. I assume this is probably true more often than not. When people are getting to that point, they really reveal themselves to who they are. That there's no guardrails. There's no no reason for edifice or facade anymore. And one of the things that struck me and so and helped me get through it was even though my mom had um, degenerative Alzheimer's, her essence was so amazing. I mean, it w- when you distilled down who she was at the very end, she was a remarkable person still. And so and what I want to get across the audience is that's how it your father felt to me is as as all of the things were calling kind of falling away from who all the other things about him and his life, he is a, just a remarkable person and a, a loving, giving person. And that's what comes across. I feel like when he says, when my sister comes in and says, she says to him, I wrote your, I wrote your eulogy on the plane. And he says, is it truthful? And then he tells her he's crying inside. He was ready, like you just said, to let it go and to reveal the pain he'd been holding, the shame he'd been holding and and carrying. And it was like a heavy, heavy weight on him. This man barely ever complained. For 40 years, he was paralyzed. Right. Almost never hear him complain. He paid attention to everyone else around him. And I think that's how he survived and even had a good life, despite being stuck in a chair a lot of the time, struggling, especially in those last years. He was just the most graceful and generous person. Yeah. yeah, he's he's he is definitely my hero, has always been my hero. I think it's really the power of film that he gets that you get to know him now. Yeah. And and to have that model of humanity for yourself as well. So it's just 
yeah, it, it really calls into question for me the what we define as alive and dead. You know, in a lot of ways, he was dying in that chair for through COVID, struggling to get to the bathroom, like taking 30 minutes to get there, not able to move because he didn't know he had congestive heart failure and he couldn't get enough oxygen to get his leg to move, but he didn't want to be a burden to my mom. So he was trying to do things for himself. And is that living? Like what kind of life is that? And now he's impacting you and so many other people on a really deep level in a way he's, he's alive right now. And in the fact that he was of the mind to say to himself that this is the right decision for him now, this is it. And the value of last flight home is that so many people will never face this until they have to face it. Many people will avoid this, this end of life situation with our parents at all costs and run away from it. Your film, you watch it, you see, you see what's possible. You see the value, you see the, the the positive part of celebrating somebody's life with them while they're alive instead of fretting about it and, and beating yourself up and whoever else in your family you choose to train your fire on because they didn't do something. It doesn't have to be that way. Wow, that's a, a really wonderful testament. Um, thank you. That is what I hope people get from this and why I hope people, I mean, I hope people hear you say that and and realize like that there is a lot of beauty and light and joy um there's so much life at end of life it was the best place to be was in that room it was literally what the probably the best time of my life yeah. was those were those weeks it was just the best and it was because we as a family stood together and brought our a game and faced this and supported each other and celebrated, like you said, celebrated a, an incredible human being. Yeah. Um, and the, yeah, the, I'm just so grateful to that waiting period because he did, when he made that decision, he was an entrepreneur, you know, he made a decision. He was like, I, I got an idea. I want to die. You know, and he's yeah. like, this is the best idea I've had in a while. Goodbye. You know, and if he had left, I was, we wouldn't have had that opportunity for closure, all of us, and for the important work that we did with, you know, with him getting to say goodbye to people and people getting to say goodbye to him because he was such a leader and he had impacted so many people's lives. And he got to see that and they got to say goodbye to him and he got to see that he actually really did have an impact with his life and um, and let go of some of the more superficial causes of shame. He was, you know, that that's why I included him calling Bank of America and the conversation we had about bills, you know, I mean, these are the, the minutia that cover and can sometimes obscure really what is so incredible about a life, you know, and it's so much of our time we spend peddling through this stuff. And it was just became really ironic to me and sort of like, I got, I got, if I got angry about anything, it was that, you know, at the end. Yeah. That that I watching him call Bank of America and just having that, you know, realizing that he carried that feeling his whole life that he had somehow failed us um, was too much for me to bear. The film is called Last Flight Home. Andy Timoner uh, has joined us a few times uh, in the past and all of your films are very personal. They're very intimate films. And, uh, and this film certainly is that and more. 
one last thing in, in those moments that you're sharing with your father at the very end of his life, um, my experience very quickly was that there's the few moments, a couple of minutes seems like an eternity at the time when you let go. There's that and that and that sort of sense of a sort of electrical vibe that goes through the room when you realize that you have to let go. You are letting go. He's letting go. That is an experience that I just can't even I still am processing what happened from that time. I'm yeah, I have chills hearing you say that. For us, it was an extraordinary experience because of the struggle at the end. Yeah. You know, the, the sort of obstacle course you had to go through to die uh, with all the different drinks and having to do it in two minutes and us not feeling like we can help him, but then ultimately deciding, come come and get us because we're going to help him, you know, and uh, my you know, I grab the cup, my sister courageously helps me. and. So here we are, and now he's taken all the medicine, and we're trying to soothe him to, you know, to get so that he has a, a smooth departure. And when he finally is, is is passed, it was so weird because we were like trying, you know, we loved him so much, and we just wanted to help him get to his goal. But then all of a sudden he was gone. Yeah. And it was just like, oh, That's my gosh, you know. That's the moment. That's the moment I'm talking about. My brother, my brother was, he squeezed my brother's hand and then let go. Yeah. Um, And it was quite, it was hours, hours and hours later that I started to even feel the deep sadness I had because I had so much adrenaline trying to help him get to that, to that goal. And then all of a sudden he was gone and it was sort of like, okay, well, he, he got what he wanted, but where's dad? You know, it was really quite something. Um, it's very hard to describe, but I couldn't believe how, how light his body was. It was unbelievable. I even went to Google and Googled like, you know, the weight of a soul because I just couldn't even, couldn't believe it. It was like his arm was a bird's wing. You know, it was just remarkable how much he was carrying, how much weight he was carrying and gripping and yeah. So I'm happy for him that he is at peace, but I'm also really happy that I, I somehow this film materialized and that I get to share him with you. You know, I think that's really the greatest power uh, I've ever experienced personally of film on, you know, the best use of my doc skills to date. Well, the film is called last flight home. Uh, my congratulations to you. I want to let people know that, the film comes out here in Los Angeles on October 14th. It's being released also in New York on October 7th. So be looking for it. This is a cinematic experience, but it's also more than that. And if you spend the time with this film, getting to know the Timoners, getting to know their life, there are going to be so many things that are going to resonate with you because this is life. This is family. This is the things that we cherish, the things that we hope for, uh, and also uh, to have such a, a a strong sense, he Eli had such a strong sense of himself and of his family, knowing that they were willing to go down that road with him as well. So that's a testament to your family, to his wife Lisa, and uh, yeah, everybody. So thank you so much, Wendy. Thanks, Mike. We'll be there supporting it. So we'll all be there for Q and A's here in New York and in LA and 
San Francisco and on and on. So okay. it's a pleasure for us to share this with you all. We'll post all that at the Film School Radio website. Uh, it's being released through MTV Documentary. And uh, all the best. I hope you'll come back and join us again sometime. I always will, Mike. Take care. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio. Music